the theme for the afternoon talk is the uh, ego and wisdom. In the beginning of the uh, talk with you, I'd like to uh, offer some general uh, explanation with regard to the, the concept and uh, the understanding of what is referred to and then the relationship of uh, wisdom and the significant relationship of it to it, of course. So we look at our life and in a very uh, general way we find ourselves in this movement through the field of existence we call it life uh, regularity of the transitions we might say from uh, birth through uh, until uh, death and in the perceptions that we uh, share together there is a recognition and appreciation of the immense field of existence with its long history dating back millions if not uh, billions of years and here we are as human beings currently alive, currently conscious in this field of time moving through the, of the journey through uh, life. It is important and precious and valuable to have a larger sense of things because that is a real contribution to getting our modest, small life into a proper perspective. When using the language of uh, 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 ego, the Sanskrit word captures it rather well. It is ahamkara. And what it means is aham is I, and kara, close to karma, kara is uh, activity, I-making activity. So the presence, the emergence, the manifestation of ego, of I, um, component my, reveals and confirms itself through the frequency of use of the language of I. And the regularity uh, of that gives a status uh, a reality a substance to the notion of I through the excesses of thinking in terms of I when we engage in that we call, it's called uh, uh, ego and the frequency of use uh, uh, of the I gives it a solidity and in that solidity which is given to it it also generates the gap the gap between other and quote unquote oneself so excess of I here will be the expense there and there will be a gap in that uh, uh, relationship Sometimes I read, and here I don't have this particular view, but I read in here, uh, there of the notion of a separate self-existence there. For some people, that is possibly a useful form of language, but I, frankly, I don't think it goes anywhere deep enough uh, into seeing into the nature of, of things. But I'll, I'll address that in a moment or two. With the manifestation of the I uh, uh, and the self, it's very easy in its movement into uh, consciousness that it, so to speak, lands on. And it is a challenge for, uh, for awareness and clarity to recognize what it lands on. And there are some very common uh, uh, areas. One of them, of course, as we've touched upon here, is the body. So there is the movement of the eye. When the eye emerges, arises, and it's carrying with it kind of baggage, the baggage could be notions of um, self-importance, 
the notions of uh, fear, holding and grasping. So the eye arises, it lands on something called the body, in this particular case, it, it, it's an actor, it's an ego uh, there when in the relationship to this case uh, the body there, we can either as we do with the states of mind and much else we can either be trying to build ourselves up to impress ourselves or others or we put ourselves down and both those extremes, building ourselves up and putting uh, ourselves down, both equally is egotistical. And it happens in relation to the body, feelings, states of mind, identity, that when things are not as I would want them to be, there can be a reaction to that and in the, re the reaction, that is the self and the I, it reacts and sometimes the reaction is in the negative, putting oneself down, I'm not good enough, it never works out for me, I've made a mess of my life, I have so little self-worth, uh, self-blame, guilt and much more. So the eyes are risen, it's brought up with it, uh, various old habits and patterns and states of mind, and then it lands on, so it comes, comes with it, and then we get a, a thought and a view, this is who I am. I'm not good enough, I'm always making mistakes, never do anything right, my life keeps falling apart, and so forth. And very easy... When there is a sense of lack inside the being, the absence of that lack, not being good enough, whatever, the compensation for that is to try to build up the self. And the different strategies which are used to build up our self. And that building up of the self, that may show itself as self-importance, it may show itself in the wish for success, in, in being somebody to impress others, to gain recognition and acknowledgement. And this all becomes a strategy to move away from putting oneself down to building oneself up. It's an ego trip, both directions. And the vulnerability of that, of course, is that the construct, I have built myself up, I am a successful person, that I have achieved this, I was like this, but now I have achieved that. All of this building up is very fragile, it's very, very vulnerable, and it only takes one human being to withdraw, and has a role in whatever that role may be, and the other withdraws, and there will be a crash, a decline in the experience, sorry, in, in the formation of the self, and one will be back where one started. And there is a lot, a lot going on between feeling a lack of self-worth to trying to build up one's self-worth. Building it up and then finding it's very hard to keep, it's very, very hard to sustain and it's vulnerable. And when human beings have, at the psychological level for a moment, haven't understood this swing of the ego, putting ourselves down and building ourselves up, if there is a low sense of self-worth, one will be magnetically attracted and pulled towards those who appear to be really self-important. And we live in a time, and it's a tragic period uh, uh, as well, where people who have a low sense of their self-worth easily find themselves attracted to those who seem very powerful, 
who seem very confident, who seem to be in charge and in control of things, and they get our vote. That's the tr part of the tragedy uh, of it. We lose the, the sense of what the middle ground is because we're in this polarity of building ourselves up, putting ourselves down, building ourselves up, and it acts as a kind of blind spot. In the exploration uh, and of the uh, mindfulness, as I say, sometimes with uh, the self, it, it, it goes to the object. And that object could be person or place or uh, identity in some way or other. And it's extraordinary thing to really take real notice in our life of what our attention lands upon and to make some time while one is here to, and to ask ourselves, currently in my life, what is really important to me? What are, what is, what are the primary activities of my daily life? To look at those primary activities, quite often manifesting through the role. Roles, plural here, with the roles there. The role itself is a social agreement. It's a construct, useful and valid, when there is ethics and kindness in it, of course. A role and a, con uh, a construct which is by agreement with the other. We have our various roles in life. And it requires the affirmation, the confirmation of the other to give support to the role. And we thereby also give, in our construct, give support to the other, the role of the other in relationship to us. The construct called the role, called the identity. Sometimes people say to us, who are you? You see, or what do you, what do you do? Those of us who have to travel uh, rather a lot, um, sometimes I, I, if I have a conversation uh, with a passenger on an aeroplane, it's probably about once every two years. <laughs> I, I, I like the quiet uh, there, so responses tend to be warm and short. Yeah. So sometimes people say, oh, where are you from? Uh, England. Then the next question is, oh, uh, what do you do? <laughs> so then I'll say, uh, uh, I'm teaching, like that. And they say, oh, are you teaching in primary school? Are you teaching in <laughs> college or in the university? No. And uh, then I'll say, I'm, a, I'm a, a Dharma teacher. And they say, oh, you're a drama teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then... After that, I'm looking for my eye shades. <laughs> so, sometimes in the relationship to the other, <clears throat> uh, there, there is the, the role. The vulnerability with the role, and you and I, we have our roles and our uh, functions in life, that the old, that means the unresolved, easily enters into the role. And it influences uh, 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 the role and when it's problematic yeah, we would see that in the function of the role it is under a pressure and what brings the problematic which is the self, the ego uh, entering uh, into it is nearly always the one should we call it emotional or psychological or mental component which is in a problematic situation will be desire. It will be present. And when there is desire, which is different from clarity and intention and action, when there is desire, there is pressure. And that pressure can go to the object, which is called her or him or them, or it can go 
backwards towards ourselves. So a human being wishing to be clear and skillful will practice and learn to catch the movement of desire. And I'm using it in its uh, uh, Dharma, or Buddhist, you might say, sense. And what that means in its Dharma Buddhist language here is a movement of wanting in which, in its expression there, it is creating some kind of difficulty for oneself or for the other, in some way or other. And that movement has got some distortion in it, for sure. There is an exaggeration, this is what desire is, it exaggerates the situation, it inflames it uh, there, and that stress of that puts the pressure on the other or the pressure on ourselves. And it is to know the difference between that which is ego, which is the... uh, Depend, <coughs> pardon me, the dependency on the self, on getting what I want, that is the ego, and to know the difference between that and a wise, that's the wisdom element, skillful response to a situation. And it is the task of our species to be very clear about movement, in this case towards, which has desire in it, the way that I just expressed, and the movement towards which has clarity, which is the same as love. To really get to know the difference. As for example, some of you are uh, uh, parents here, some of you have uh, responsibilities, um, the kind of parental role, meaning taking care of. Therefore, it requires from us the maximization of the wisdom, which confirms itself as the love, and the love goes towards. Many different expressions and manifestations uh, of it. But adults and children are not always cooperating with great enthusiasm and submission and conviction to all this love we're pouring on them. Uh, So then they're not doing as they are told. They're not doing as the thought of what we think they should be doing. And in that dynamic, the other is perceived in a particular way there is, humanly enough, some pressure and tension which is here, and with that pressure and tension becomes the desire to control the situation. And the, the effort to control, which is the uh, ego, because in those moments one basically has become a little right-wing fascist dictator <laughs> and to be quite clear about it there are, you know, there are, there are fascists, fascists outside of Canberra you know and, uh, and elsewhere <laughs> All right. don't, don't forgive me on that and, uh, but it is a desire to control and have things as the self wants them to be and of course that easily can invite even more rebellion. It's almost bound to. A small incident with regard to that. I remember uh, years ago, years ago, because my daughter was four or five years of age, she's now now, uh, uh, 38. So we went to California with her mum, who lives a few minutes walk away to, to give some retreats, and we stayed in a large house of a community. Two of the people in the community, they were family guidance counsellors. The difficulty, at least a little of the difficulty was, 
neither of them, they were a married couple, neither of them were parents. <laughs> so we arrived, we were in this large house, Dharma friends, two family guidance uh, counselors, and our beloved daughter, as children were, were, uh, was uh, uh, playing up, she was tired, she was irritable, she didn't want to go. Uh, didn't want to go out, didn't want to be in, you know, etc. Nothing was pleasing uh, for the, uh, the, young, the young girl. And then, from the two family marriage guidance counsellors, we got a lecture <laughs> on parenting, etc. And as I listened to the, you know, kind, thoughtful, guidance, etc., which my daughter, of course, five years of age, took absolutely no notice of, uh, which is her right. Uh, and my comment afterwards uh, was how important, not always, but how important and valuable raw experience actually is there. This is the end of the story. A few years later, because going every year, they had a, a son, mm-hmm. now in his 30s, probably about 30, whatever. The son, just like my daughter, was playing up, <laughs> etc. And they got so frustrated <laughs> with, with, uh, with, with him, they grabbed hold of the boy, picked him up, put him in his room, shut the door, and said, and said to him, you can only come out when you stop yelling and shouting. I was so tempted to give a lecture. But <laughs> 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 I resisted, etc. Et, et With kids, which is as a small example, the one thing comes in, the wish to control, one's upset, <coughs> one's angry, one is irritated, uh, and, and all of that goes on. When we kind of lose the plot. <laughs> when there is an overreactivity to the circumstance of the presence of the other, uh, it's vital, not only with the kids, but also w- uh, with others, to find a skillful ways of means in which we take responsibility for our reactivity. We genuinely take responsibility for our reactivity because in that reactivity, in this case, there's blame and in in blame there is desire. In uh, the desire, in this case, there's fault-finding and anger and losing our call. And children and uh, adults, it's a really important dynamic to look at. But the same desire also... Where the ego uh, comes in and the self comes in is in the material world as well, in the getting what I want. And that inner movement carries in with us a picture, an image, an idea, whatever that item may be, from a thing to money or whatever uh, it may be. It gains a significance beyond what it is. It's a a tendency to project into something what actually isn't there. It's given significance outside of its merit, as some value. And when we're in that mode, there is nothing which will easily fit in with the image there. To give a small example, one of my beloved, uh, uh, beloved partner yeah, uh, years ago, some of you may have been unlucky enough to have found yourself in Oxford Street in London. Uh, uh, it's a nightmare. It's the hell realm of consumerism, in my view. And my good friend, unfortunately, had spotted on somebody else's feet the pair of shoes that she wanted. (laughs) And that image was imprinted. Do you know how many shoe shops there are in Oxford Street? (laughs) 
I couldn't even see the difference. <laughs> and she says, no, no, the, the, there were a kind of sand when the strap's too wide, or it's too narrow, or it's, no, I want my toes to be seen, or not, whatever it was. <laughs> if you walk from Tottenham Court Road, it's like crossing the Gobi Desert, or the Simpson <laughs> Desert, right down to the other end we went. In and out of shoe shops, I just stood in the doorway and, and waited there. And then she said, no, I can't quite find what I'm looking for. And then we crossed the street, and then we walked all the way back, and we got right back to Tottenham Court Road tube station, having looked, or she, in every single tube shop she still hadn't found. And uh, she said, what's your response? And I said... <laughs> <laughs> I said, I've just worn out a pair of shoes looking for shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <coughs> sometimes, uh, bless her, we have an image and a picture and we can't find it. Uh, a, 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 a good friend of mine, beautiful heart and warm and caring and has depth. And she said to me, Christopher, there is a man inside of me and I'm looking for this man there. And I, I know exactly the man that I really want to meet and really want to connect with. I know exactly. Uh, and I, my comment was, this man who you would like to be with, who is inside of you, I promise you, he is not there. <laughs> this man does not exist except in the image and in the picture. And that situation where one has the idea, carries it around, it's the false world there, and the picture and the image is disconnected from events. The builder for that picture is called ego. The identification with it is called ego. It's called self. It's called what I want. Whether it's in the wanting of things, whether it's in the wanting of the status, or whether it's in the uh, 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 the wanting to control control the other. There. So, much of the time, and in plenty of circumstances, there we do handle things can handle things well and gracefully. But part of the knowing of ourselves is where and in what ways do I experience most noticeably the manifestation of desire. That means a problematic wanting in which there is some dependency on the outcome, there is some projection or distortion in the desiring the craving, the wanting itself, and to really see if I can really notice where that manifests. And Dharma teachings, when it's referred to, oh, Dharma is speaking about the end of desire, it is. Not that it is, it is. But it's the movement which is problematic. And to get to know the difference, and in the uh, Pali the difference is much easier, between wanting, craving, desiring, must have, or whatever it is, and to the difference between that and a calm, clear action which is the wish for. Understand? There is a wish for. And we're not interested in trying to get rid of the wish for. We, we respect it. We appreciate that it's part of human life to have the wish for. And that wish for may well be followed through with an action. But we can get to know the difference between the wish for and the desiring, craving, neediness, must have. So one is not infected with ego, the wish for. That wish for may be stated very clearly, very unambiguous, unambiguously, uh, 
with real conviction and passion that also can be in the world of the wish for, for sure. Some things we need to speak up firmly and clearly as we wish. But to recognise when it's got something else involved in it and to know there is wisdom in the wish for and there is something problematic for ourselves and others in that complicated, reactive kind of view. And and so our reactions then, it is a reaction. It's an old reacting in the present. And Dharma teachings are a liberation for the action, not just being in the spell of the reaction. Sometimes in the exploration of the, in these uh, 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 areas, small events, sometimes with the uh, story and, the, uh, and sometimes also the humour that uh, uh, goes with these uh, situations, that the small story, you know, whether it's like <coughs> uh, the shoe story, small incident in the Dharma community in California or whatever it uh, might be helps one of the lovely things about the story it just helps to bring some important Dharma teachings we might say into down to earth recognition of how that might be in our daily life so there's, there's the event the description the analysis there, and then with it comes the story uh, and stories are rather precious, particularly in our communications there, if with the story that takes place, because there's heart and feeling with the story, there's a memory there, it can communicate a, a kind of deep truth, this important thing, which is bigger than the story. It's not about a pair of shoes. It's not about a little girl, a little boy playing up. Of course, that's a factor. But it gives us, inwardly, a reminder of sometimes similar events in our daily life with others where we get to recognise where the reactivity is and where the skill is, where the wisdom is and where it isn't. And we need those kind of uh, stories. And sometimes in the movement <coughs> of these uh, sharings and s- stories uh, that take place, they help in an odd sort of way to bring light upon a much bigger situation. And sometimes uh, people and young, young people have in my mind here, they are can be quite attuned to us as, as adults and our, our relationship to events. To give an example, uh, once again, of what I mean. Have a, my, have a grandson. So the grandchildren are uh, the four of them, single mum, uh, Anglo-Caribbean uh, and the oldest, he's uh, 18, uh, he's in college. And he's a really a, a great uh, guy. And like plenty of teenagers, those who have connection with the teenagers, so he goes off to college. And then he rings Lashona, his mum, up, and he says to her, oh, Mum, I forgot my sandwiches. <laughs> Can you bring them over to the college? And she said, okay. And then she went, but you forgot them the other day. And before that as well. No, I'm fed up with running after you and bringing the sandwiches over to, over to the college. <laughs> 
You can go, go to the corner shop and you go, go and buy some. So that's what happened. So then a young guy, 18 years of age, comes home and his mum says to him, I'm humanly enough, I'm fed up with doing, <coughs> the, doing the washing up after you every night. It's your turn. You should do the washing up. And then he said to her, laughing, with some humour, and it made me, laugh, made me laugh as well. He said to her, this is to his mum, Anglo-Caribbean kid, African roots as well. He said to his mum, that's a trouble with you white people. <laughs> you, you still want us to be your sl- us, us blacks to be your slave. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's sharp. <laughs> he, he was laughing when he said it. Uh, 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 yeah. and, and sometimes in the small little incident with the uh, it kind of just gives a reminder for all, all, all of us in the relationships of uh, one one to uh, to the other, and uh, and how even with colour as an as a, an example, not only uh, and of course we'll appreciate this the fiction of uh, uh, and the Buddha protested about this about. Uh, Racism and, and and the use use of color uh, in in the caste system, because those who were of a quote unquote darker skin, often because they were the the laborers and the farm workers out in the sun, generation after generation, and those who were of the lighter skin were the wealthy, the Brahmins and the privileged there who were shielded from the sun, etc. And even in the Languages that we use in terms of colour, even that's false. I mean, we're not even, we're not white. Even we're, we're, if anything, we're a bit pinky, you know. <laughs> and, uh, hardly call ourselves white. The man only has to look at the good t-shirt the young man's got on here. We exactly, and the one here, hardly white. Etc. And then, and then we call people from the black community black, but they're not black. And then, then the poor Asians and Chinese people yellow. I mean, come on, etc. The whole language and description is also completely off. Let alone the divisions that go along with it. So the words doesn't reflect anything like the reality. The views and the opinions and the desires. Certainly don't, and all of that prevents us seeing much deeper than the view and the appearance. Desire is in every act of racism, homophobia, homophobia. Sexism, the separation of uh, one community from another, the act of the will, the act of division, the act of apartheid, the, the act of fragmentation between the nation states, uh, and the only thing that can make that happen is a desire for that to, to be viewed in that way. And therefore, with the Dharma, it's genuine commitment to challenging in the species of humanity the force of desire and the consequences of it, and which we witness in countless ways. And that's part of the work of engagement with life and that responsibility to question desire, whether it's towards us or whether it's from within and uh, going uh, externally as, as well. <coughs> in our meditations and in our uh, 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 practices, 
to look at a way of life which is rich, nourishing and fulfilling, which has um, energy to it, which is so precious and important. The one thing I would really uh, uh, recommend here is to look at the language of I and the word which follows it and quite often the word which follows it is must. M-U-S-T I must. So the self arises it's got this word must uh, with it and the must puts a pressure uh, upon us and in the pressure there it takes a lot of uh, energy it takes the, the willpower but the must and the willpower if it happens cannot sustain itself so we might say to ourselves <coughs> and we might say to others I really must do this whatever it might be and it, one might start what I must do but it will, won't sustain itself and then we wonder why wow, I, I started this I knew I must do this but I just faded away and with the fading away there is the sense of loss loss of that willpower loss of that energy to do and with the loss of the energy to do then arises the, the view I never seem to get anything done there is a sense of lack so I start off I must and I start then there is a sense of lack because it's not fulfilled or it's not started and then in that gap there is some loss of self-worth there could be feelings of uh, failure and hard views about oneself can we change not a major change really be very mindful and careful of the language of I must because it's a recipe for pressure and even if we do follow through I must do, uh, uh, do this when it's completed then a new I must has to arise and at some point there's going to be disappointment there has to be feelings of failure there has to be so there needs to be a shift from I must which is the will which is desire which is wanting and could it be that interest and the nourishment and the development of interest contributes beautifully to the act of the motivation to really express interest to really look at something with a real interest and that quality of the interest then can be inspirational for us to create to help make things uh, happen because the interest is there and, and that interest is love that's the confirmation of love when there's ethics care and interest in the movement of uh, life by any other word we would call this love so our shift is the exploration just to summarise of desire of ego building ourselves up putting ourselves uh, down and there's no real happiness nor peace in that we are here to find a middle way between these two really recognise and acknowledge the capacity to respond the act of the wish to engage to follow through with and if our life if we use this dreadful four-lettered word called busy if that's in the framework of our thinking and we're telling other people my small request is please regard if, any, if you have a description of yourself as being busy as a very severe 
pathological mental illness. <laughs> so there is no sense in it of any, oh, I'm so busy, I'm sorry, I can't see you until about January the 23rd, <laughs> whatever it might, might be. So that in the relationship to this busy uh, uh, word that we have, it's a word which disconnects us, the, or, or the, all the activities, disconnect us from deep things which matter. Because we haven't got time for deep things which matter. Because we've got this pathological illness called being busy, which is a way for the ego to feed its sense of self-importance. It's a, it's a, it's a little injection of the ego uh, of being uh, busy. But we're here to go much deeper than that formation. And we can realise and appreciate, in a way, that when we talk about I and me and my, with something problematic about it, it's a friction. You and I uh, are a mere friction on this earth. Mm. And the little friction goes on and up pops the, the I and the me and the my. And if there's an absence of friction uh, there, then it's a shorthand language. So one might say, I am sitting here. So the I is a shorthand because it's a bit of a mouthful to say, oh, this whole mind, body, consciousness, feeling, emotion, that uh, is sitting here, so, oh God, I am sitting here. A short description like that. It's a short description to say, oh, uh, the, my recorder or my clothes. Just a, uh, a small gesture of connection with. And if we can just remember to have the freedom to use the language of I and my, rem remembering it is just a description, that's all it is, and with that description, be calm and clear and comfortable with it. And there are many things which in our relationship we are very calm and clear and comfortable about. And many things which we have, also things there, which end up in the charity shop anyway. So... Most lots of the things that come our way, they just come in and they're around for a while, including our homes or whatever it might be, it might come sooner or later. <laughs> Everything's in a kind of transition. And if we're not clinging and holding, which is what the ego tends to do, there, we can be moved this movement of life. Not easy, but we can be much more easily uh, with it. And we just need enough mindfulness when it's wanting, desire, craving. Enough mindfulness when it's got the I must in it. Enough interest to really, really be present and available. The clarity to know movement of life and recognise when the ego is not in the way. There are plenty of times every day when the ego is not in the way. It's not always present. It depends on holding, possessiveness, clinging, fearing, stress, desiring, etc. And therefore the absence of that, knowing that, the absence of is wisdom. Be clear about the difference. One brings much happiness and joy with the wisdom that just comes along with it and the other is a pain in the butt. <laughs> All right, thank you. Let's have a quiet minute, shall we?
may all beings explore the times of the manifestation of uh, ego. May all beings recognize and acknowledge the clarity without the ego. May all beings live with love and wisdom.